0: Thanks for listening to the Vertical Student Ministries podcast. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by what you hear.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Vertical Leadership Podcast. Today we have a bonus episode for you. Uh, Zach Curry was in with us a few uh, weeks back and we want to share this with you guys as a podcast. Just a great, great topic he shared with, with some of the pastors of our district. And so we wanted to add it and share it with you all here on the podcast for those of you that missed it. Thanks so much for listening. It promises to be something great to bless you with. So take some time and listen to it today.
0: Thank you so much. I love gatherings like this, so it's good to be here. You guys doing good? Doing good. I just want to thank Pastor Sam, Pastor Tim, Matt, Pastor Matt, this whole crew for letting me come out and hang out with you guys. Um, Honestly, these types of gatherings are some of my favorite. Um, It wouldn't matter if there's just five leaders in a room, but the fact that there's, you know, over 100 and whatever here. I just get fired up, and you guys know this verse uh, John was talking about just the significance of unity. I mean, Psalms one thirty three, like the Lord, where there's unity, the Lord commands His blessing. So that's that's not only a benefit for you, but that's for this state, that's for your ministry, and there's something significant, not just by showing up, but that as we engage in this, that the residue of it just it it's it just builds and builds, and there's a commanded blessing, and so. I'm stoked. I'm going to, um, we're going to talk about just a few things. Before we do that, I just want to do a couple quick things. Um, my my little, my daughter, Ellie, can you hear me? She has her headphones on. Um, Ellie's here. This is my youngest daughter, Ellie. She's six. Can you wave, Ellie? Can you say hi? Yeah. She she wanted me to introduce her, so she's my travel buddy, and um, I'm stoked to be here. I, this is so random, but I'm just going to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit was prompting. me. Is it someone's, is there a couple here, it's your anniversary, or... Close to it, yeah. Is, is it today? It is. I we're gonna do something. I felt like we were supposed to bless them and give them money. So I have some money in my pocket. If you've got cash, we're gonna. I want you guys to bring cash over to these guys, and we're gonna pray over them. Here's why. I felt I don't. It was so random. I felt like so. Get go, go ahead. This is this is an active thing. If you've got cash, whatever. I want. You to, we're gonna give them some money. We're taking an impromptu offering. We're going to bless you guys. I don't know. I was just sitting back there, and this random thought, like it's someone's anniversary here today. We're supposed to bless you guys. I don't know if there's a financial need or whatever, or just go out to dinner or spoil yourselves or whatever, but you're getting married in a few months. Okay. It's your, okay. Can we, can we just gather around them real quick and, and just bless them and pray for them? What, what are your names? Yeah, tax receipt. What are your guys' names? Monica and Cody. Okay. Let's bless these guys. God, we just thank you for this couple. Thank you for their yes to you, and we just we just so into their marriage, God, their ministry. We thank you for um, what they carry, God. You know, whether it's desires or needs, I felt like even today this was just a, a tangible act to point to the goodness of God, over your over your marriage, over your relationship, over what you're called to walk in. So we just, as a community, as family, we just bless you, and I feel like God just wants you guys to know. He's better than you thought. He's bigger and more able than you thought. And you carry faith, but He's calling you to expand the capacity that you you carry faith for for a generation. And um, so we just stand, or we we love you guys. We bless you, and we stand with you. And uh, in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, that's fun. I'll just tell you this, you guys ministry is supposed to be fun. (laughs) It's not all the time. Let's just be honest, but it's supposed to be fun. The church is not a business. It's a family, and there's elements of ministry and church where that it feels very much like a business, but we, the kingdom of God is built on the concept of family. It's the Father, the Son, I mean the Holy Spirit. It originates there, and it flows out of there, and so we, we have a choice. We can operate like a business or we can engage into this thing of the kingdom of God as a family. It's how we interact with our, our leaders, the students or children or young adults that you're dealing with. How many, how many of you here are, are children's pastors in the place? All right, let's give them a round of applause. God bless you. You are, not, you are not babysitting kids. That is not what you're doing. You're raising up world changers. You're raising up leaders. At our church... In every service, our fourth and fifth graders just roam through the services, and they're prophesying over people, praying over them. Uh, just like they, We ask them, say, hey, ask, ask the Holy Spirit who to highlight. And then you see, it's my favorite part of church. You see these kids little roaming around, learning how to pray for people. like, can we pray for you? People are just crying and encountering and God. And, and some of these kids, honestly, I'm like, hey, you should be up on the stage speaking right now. What you're carrying is just powerful. But we're raising up these kids to be world changers. Okay, how many uh, high school, middle school uh, leaders we have here? Come on, come on, give them a round of applause. You guys are amazing. And then how many young adult pastors, young adult? We got one. We got two. We got three. All right, come on. Awesome. Well, I want to talk to you just, um, I, I got to warn you, I'm going to meddle a little bit, Okay. I've been doing ministry uh, since I was in high school, a sophomore in high school. Probably like many of you, I'm sure. If uh, there's a lot of similarities in our stories, I think many people, especially as you step into youth ministry or any any stage of ministry, it starts at a young age, which is why we're here, right? But um, man, like I, I've I've been through I, it's almost 20, some, I don't know, 25 years of just being able to dive into. Saying yes to Jesus. And so with it, seeing God do amazing things and seeing a lot of junk too, you know. And so I, I, my heart today is, uh, the reason why I want to meddle just a little bit, is my heart is that you would leave today filled with courage, encouragement. And, you know, encouragement is connected to the word courage. To engage into the call that God has on your life. But to think more than just short-term present and what's in front of you. To think long-term to what real legacy and, and what success really looks like. Because part of the reason I love what Pastor Sam was sharing and Pastor John, all these others just talking about the reality of you're here. I mean, I, I feel like some of you may not realize this. You thought you had to come. God actually set you up today. Because there's, there's a part where you just need to come and get some perspective, get some courage, get some encouragement. And, and it may not look like the way you thought it was going to look, but the reason is that you're, you're 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 called to to last, and to to be a leader that not only does great things, but does great things for a long time, and that is healthy and thriving. And so, some of that is really connected connected to our paradigm, because if we're looking short term, it's easy to base our perspective on what we see, but we need a longer term view. And we also have to realize like there is a process that God is taking every single one of you, whether you've been doing this for 40 years or you're just getting going. There is a process that God has taken you through to form you. And, and, and I, I love this phrase. I, I, this, I don't know who told me this when I was in high school, but it's stuck with me since. And there's a group of friends that we just kept saying this over each other, that the journey is more important Than the destination. It's actually just as important, if not more important, than the end result. The process that God takes you through is actually the place where you're transformed. And so many of us, myself included, we're looking at the end destination, the dream, the goal, the event, whatever it is, fill in the blank, we're like okay i need to this needs to happen i need to get here some of you today you feel like i'm behind i'm i'm not where i should be you know that's where comparison we look around and we're we're ma- we're rating ourselves on where we thought we should be or where others think we should be or you know whatever but it's actually not the complete picture and paradigm that we need to walk in as leaders it's not just hey i need to be here it's actually in this process god is forming and and cultivating something in me so i have not only the, the the imprint of heaven on my life that transforms me, but I actually have something to give away. If we just look at, you know, the the event, the end result, it's great as it is. It's just like a transactional interaction, and and many of us, and this is honestly, we we see change culture up here, right? It's it's the buzzword. It, it's you know, there's several buzzwords in the church that are really good, but unfortunately most of what we're doing is the exact opposite of what we're saying we want to happen. We talk about community, right? Like every church, that's like everyone talks about community because it's 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 biblical. We need to do that. What's happening here is actually making this, this concept a reality. You're taking time out of your day, breaking out of just your city, your church, whatever. You're jumping in with the body of Christ. You're sacrificing time. But you're stepping out of maybe whatever it is that's on your list to say, I'm going to get to know someone, I'm going to be known, right? Like real community begins to happen. We say we want community, whatever, and half the time we're isolated and by ourselves and we're we're not known. But we also say we want to change culture and we look at things where we're like, hey, we're just going to copy what everyone else is doing because it worked for someone, so I'm going to do it, so it's got to work for me, Right? And, and actually, as the church, we are empty, shallow, have nothing to offer the world because we're looking at a transaction, a product, and end result, it's just like, if I do this, this, and this, and get that, we're, we're going to have success. When God's saying, no, I want to form you, that even in the pain, the hardship, the, the walls that you're hitting, the... You know the struggle or the, the the obstacles actually are an opportunity to cultivate something. So we actually have something to get a, give away. We actually have solutions to the problems that our culture and society are facing, so that we can change culture. And it's actually in the process, in the struggle, that we are formed and we're we're cultivating things to give away, not only to the students or the whoever it is that we're leading, but to give away to our world and bring transformation. And this is what we're going after. That's why we're doing what we're doing. I just want to tell you a little bit of my journey. And then I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just, I'll kind of fast forward and tell you the whole thing. We're going to talk, we're talking about what does legacy and success really look like in ministry. I want to share you part of my story because honestly, this has been my journey and just even learning what we're, what we're talking about today. I mean, there's so many times I've wanted to give up or quit or face very real hard things that I, I didn't realize at the time. They weren't God, but they were a gift that formed me to be able to put me in the place where I could keep going and do whatever God had put in front of me in the next step. But the other thing is I want to talk about and look at, okay, what are the obstacles that get in the way of us actually having not only that perspective, but but really seeing uh, not only legacy, but success in what God has called you or your ministry or whatever he's placed you to, to see that happen. In my own life, like I said, I started doing Ministry. When I well, actually, I didn't really have a choice. I was born into a family that was doing ministry. Um, when I was, I think six or seven, we were supposed to go to Africa. My parents had sold everything. They tried multiple times to go to India, Pakistan, all these different places, and it just didn't work. And finally, we were going to go to Uganda, and we were going to be missionaries there. We 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 sold everything, put a bunch of it in a container, and then two we had our plane tickets two weeks before we were going to go. Um the, the, the country was closed. All the NGOs were kicked out because of just political uh, unrest. And we lost everything. And my parents are like, now what? So they, they planted a church in their living room. I'm from Northern California, Chico. And they just started a church in their living room with some friends. So I just grew up around ministry and all this. But in my own life, uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, I encountered God in youth group. And just said yes to God. And and I, I won't share the whole story, but I I just, with my best friend and I on our high school campus, we just said, we want to see our friends encounter Jesus. And it started growing to where there was a group of us. We just started praying over our campus, God come and move in our school, or like four or five of us. The next year, 15 of us came, and we grew to over 200 and something. And we had to meet in the gym because there wasn't a, a room big enough. And we saw kids from every church in our city, uh, represented there, and, and this it was all student-led. Uh, so many people healed, getting saved. It was just incredible, and it, it marked me as, it's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. I encountered so much of what I learned about leadership just by doing. And um, I, I ended up not, I, I played soccer, so I, I skipped going to college right away and uh, gave up an opportunity to play soccer in college and just started doing ministry. And I did that for about six years um, and in the midst of this, I'm, I'm giving you the quick version because there's so much to this, but there's a reason why I'm, I'm sharing all this with you. Like over and over, uh, and I'm, sometimes I'm a little slow and, um, fight, you know, I, I want things to be a certain way. I think I'm not the only one here. So I had this idea like, okay, I'm going to go into ministry and this is what's going to look like. And I, I, I gave up this, but God, you're worth it. Here we go. Right. And, um, it, it just never went the way I thought it was going to go ever, <laughs> and uh, along the way you know there was I, I was a part of this ministry was doing incredible things it's actually where i met banning how i got, i've known banning who's uh, over, who started J- jesus culture for over 22 years i met him when i was in high school and um but the ministry i was a part of fell apart because of a moral failure of the leader and it was it was devastating for me because in my mind you know i'm like i say yes you know i raise my hand go to the altar say yes to God, he, you know, when I, when I first started this ministry, I thought I was going to be, you know, traveling and speaking, and we remodeled a double wide trailer for six months, and that's, I was an intern, uh, like probably most of you started a ministry at some point, not paid, Uh, it was free labor, (laughs) we worked a long time, and got, we remodeled a double wide trailer for our offices, but, but over the course of the, you know, the 25 years that I've been doing ministry, like, I've, there, there's been so many ups and downs, and this this thing that, that has fueled me, that I, I began to realize there was a pattern. God, you're actually forming something in me. And, you know, when I saw a lot of my friends get bitter, offended at God, at the church, whatever, God began to teach me things and, and teach me not just how to walk in what he called me to walk in, but how to not be offended, how to not be um, derailed by even weakness, failure around me, and, and to, to really begin to look at, it like, hey, I want to, I don't want to just last. I want to thrive. And a lot of what I was doing or expecting actually contradicted that. And so this is what I want to dive in. Am I, like, this, I don't have time to go into all this. I mean, there's been, I've just, the the fact that I ended, even ended up at Jesus Culture, I have no banning for, you know, like I said, 22 years. And I don't know if you've ever been in this place where you're like, God, what what are you doing with me? Because we say yes to God, and then he puts you in all these different places, and it doesn't make sense. Some of you may feel that right now. It's like, hey, I feel like, God, you've called me to something, and right now, I this does not seem like it fits into what you said. I, mean, I did so many random jobs in ministry, from youth pastor to you know, I, I worked at all these just random places, and it seemed like the exact opposite of what God had promised or the words that he'd given me. And then fast forward, you know, I ended up, being um banning called me we'd known each other and said hey will you come on staff and it was like there's there's these moments where like oh you were actually preparing me for something like all these random even random jobs were actually things that i needed to know for where he had put me and, but i'm sharing all this to say is like we have to have a bigger perspective and, and we have to be okay with not knowing all right i want you to open your bibles to um genesis 45 so I, I, this is, uh, we're going we're gonna to hit a, a variety of things. I hope you get encouraged. I, I'm going to just be real with just some of my own journey. And I, I do want to challenge some specific areas completely out of love because I want you to thrive. I want you to be in a place where you, we're not just, there's not just this sur- surface upfront ministry thing. There's something that's deep that's being cultivated in our lives. And I'll tell you, man. If I could say anything to you guys as leaders, be patient. Keep your eyes on what heaven is saying over your life and, and the promises that he's given you. Because there is a huge battle for your perspective. Our perspective will shift so much of how we not only uh, not see things, obviously, but how we engage in the level of encouragement we have based on how the perspective that we had. And at the beginning of this year, I'm going to read this verse in just a second. Um, I was just asking the Lord, and to be completely honest, feeling disappointed, feeling like, God, I'm, you know, we all deal with this, no matter where you're at. Like, I'm behind. This isn't, I'm not, things aren't where I think they should be. I just turned 40 on uh, this month, February 6th, and so I'm not in a midlife crisis, but I was asking these questions like, hey, I thought I would be here when I was 40, or I thought I'd be doing this. And the Lord, I was just asking the Lord, God, what, you know, for this year, 2019, this next season of my life, what, what are you saying? And I just heard him so clearly say these two words. He said it was father and empower. And uh, just to be completely honest, I was looking short term. The very thing I'm trying to challenge us today not to do, I was thinking short term. I was looking at what was in front of me, and forgetting that the greatest impact or success in my life, honestly, is my family, is the leaders that I get to raise up. It's the people that I can pour into. And, you know, honestly, I think we have such a superficial definition of success. And it's honestly all about us. Success is how other people respond to us, how many followers we have, what position we have, how we're seen, you know, all these things. And actually, that is not the biblical definition of success. It's actually not about us. We know this, but success is honestly the people that you look at that have the greatest fruit. The success is when you are gone, what did your life leave behind? What did your yes to God spur other people to do? And God just began to just remind me what we all know. I'm sure this is not new information for you. It's not it wasn't for me, but God began to realign perspective to say, "Hey, success for you is like my goal is and this is one of the reasons I bring my girls with me wherever I go is I'm discipling world changers, my own kids, any leaders that are around me, because I I want to give away anything that I have to them so they can go farther than I could ever go, do more than I could ever do. I mean, this is what Jesus does for us. This is what Jesus did with his disciples, right? But success is not based on right now. It is long term. We point our life towards that. And I was reading through, I'm reading through the Bible again and I was reading through this story in Genesis 45. You guys all would know the story of Joseph. And uh, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but there's this one portion at the end of the story where uh, jo- Joseph is, is standing before his brothers, the same brothers that sold him into slavery, betrayed him, forgot him, said, Hey, you have no value after he had these dreams that God gave him. And this is this is what he said. It just it just rocked me, and I think ties into what. We're looking at it as far as what is success, what is legacy, what is the perspective that we need to have. It says in verse 5 of Genesis 45, it says, um, he's speaking, Joseph is speaking to his brothers. He says, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there have been famine in the land, but the next five years, there'll be no plowing and reaping. God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So, so then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of this entire household, and ruler of all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is your son, Joseph. And it goes on. I read this to you for this reason. It just began to rock me. Again, this paradigm in perspective. I don't believe it was God that said, hey, you need to, God made Joseph a slave. I don't think that was, like, the plan, like, hey, here's the plan. God gave him a dream, and Joseph was very young, immature. He's like, hey, here's my dream, kind of flaunting it around, you know, like, I'm better than you. And, you know, I think there was probably some innocence, but obviously also just some immaturity to it. But, but the thing I love about this is God used Joseph's journey and, 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 and the, the process that he went through to actually for him for his destiny. And there was good things, and there was a lot of hard things. There was a process and a journey that he went through. And, and this, is, this, is, this is what I, I just want to tell you, and you may know this, but hopefully this will give you some new perspective and encouragement today. Many of the situations that you guys are living in right now are answers to your prayer. <laughs> You're like, what? I am frustrated with this leader in my life. My pastor doesn't get me. My kids won't listen. I don't have enough money. Uh, People don't know how awesome I am. I do not have the opportunity I should be giving at the level of awesomeness I walk in. I mean, you know, whatever it is. Do you know that like God, you said yes to God. He actually is answering your prayer. He doesn't do that by just saying, here you go. Here's everything you ever wanted. He wants to form your life so that you have a character, a foundation, a stability to stand in what he's called you to walk in. And some of you here, I just know, just being in this room, there is great faith in this room. You guys have believed God. There's words over your life. But with great faith and destiny comes a great responsibility to carry something that can actually have a foundation to withstand the weight of responsibility, of influence, or whatever it is that he wants to, to call you into. I mean, uh, it's kind of a silly example, but my father-in-law is a contractor, and I, I, I was, like I said, I've done so many random jobs, and I was in between jobs at one point, so I went to work with him, and... Um, I, I got to do you know, just I was the grunt guy because I didn't really know anything, right? And um, my wife, she loves. How many of you love fixer upper? So you know, there's a lot of these shows HGTV we're watching, and everyone just loves like it's amazing the transformation, and it's in a half an hour, an hour, and you're like, oh, this is incredible. But uh, how many of you've done construction before, right? It is not pretty. It, it does. It takes months and years. You know, it takes a half an hour or 45 minutes to show this transformation. That's just not the timeline, right? We did we did a little project in our house, and um, I mean, I was it was messy. We're just like replacing a wall and doing some flooring, and just our house turned into a tornado, and it it sucked. It was awful. There's dust everywhere, and I was grumpy because I'm like, I hate this. It, my wife has this vision, you know. We're gonna change everything. I'm just like, ah, when's this gonna be over, right? So, I mean, you know. So I'm, I'm picking up trash, sweeping, you know, doing rebar before the foundation is even laid. And, you know, some of us, we we love the idea. What we we want to see transformation happen in people's lives in our city. And it's a lot like this, you know, remodel, fixer-upper kind of concept. And it's absolutely true. This is what God does. But if we're really honest and look at it just honestly, there's a process and that process is messy. Like to see something transform, to see beauty happen, it often does not happen overnight. There's, there's something you have to engage into, you've got to get your hands dirty. And a lot of times, things look worse and get worse before they get better. You know, my wife's coming to me like, hey, I have these pictures. Here's my Pinterest board. This is what it's going to look like. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Let's do that. I walk into the living room, and I'm like, this does not look like that. What is going on? But you can't skip that step. And that's what we want to do a lot of times. We're like, hey, this is my Pinterest board, Jesus. If you're Here's my prophetic word here. Here's the dream you gave me. And here's a, kinda, a few little extra things. And this is what it's going to look like. And then some of you came here today, and you're like, my life does not look like that. Things are not going here. And God's like, "No, you're right where you need to be. You're right you're you're, you're 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 there's dust everywhere and walls are down and you know, it's costing you way more than you thought, but you're right where you're supposed to be. Don't skip the process. Joseph, I mean, if you we won't even go through his whole story, but it, I mean, he's sold into slavery, betrayed, Thrown into prison, God uses him. He's prophetic, giving dreams, interpretations. He saves people's life. And like, hey, when you you know when you get out of here, remember me. It took him two years to remember. Talk about delay. I was just thinking, that, like this whole story. I mean, that is just a, a great example. Go read it. Perseverance and faith, believing God for what He said, not getting offended, bitter, but saying yes to God. In really hard situations, but I was like just thinking about the the two years between you know that if you read the story, there's two people that Joseph interprets dreams and says, "Hey, when you get out, remember me." Two years. Some of you, <laughs> some of you've been in your role for six months or a year, and you're like, "God, I can't do this. Help me." You know, it's two years where he's in prison, not in a whatever hotel home doing some kind of clock-in, clock-out job. He's in prison, and he's waiting for the promise that God had spoken. But what was, what was the end result? God prepared him and put him in a place of influence, second in command over this whole nation, to redeem and save not only the, the people of Egypt, but his family, the very ones. And here's the crazy thing. He had every right to be bitter, angry. He had the power to kill and punish his brothers who tried to kill him. But he walked with the heart of heaven, forgiveness. He saw something bigger. I I told you I'm going to meddle a little bit. I'm going to start here right now. Some of the people that are, are frustrating you, whether it's leaders, family members, team members, they're actually one of the greatest gifts in your life. Because they're teaching you, they, they can, it's your choice, teaching you how to not walk in offense and bitterness, but to extend the same mercy and grace that you need and to learn how to operate and lead people that aren't easy, easy to lead. If you can only lead people that do everything that you want to say and only lead people when you have all the budget you need and, and everyone's on fire and going, then you're actually not, your, your leadership is limited <laughs> because that's not the majority of the world. Most people, I want to lead. I want to lead a generation. We want to see our city, our state change. Absolutely possible. God is doing it. But if you look around your state and your city, there's a lot of difficult people. If you can't lead and honor and walk unoffended with the people around you, what makes you think you can lead in your state? Because there's a lot more. Multiply that times 100, times 1,000. That number is intense. The very people that have caused you the greatest frustration are actually secrets. To breakthrough in your own life or even solutions to release hope to other people. It's actually not even about that person. It's about what God's trying to cultivate in you. And so we have to have a different perspective. God is building your life. I mean, you guys know this passage. It's actually one of my favorite verses when we talk about the process of God. Proverbs 14:4 4 says, Where there are no ox and the major is empty, but with the strength of an ox comes an abundant harvest you guys can i'm sure you've heard this verse before but you you know the perspective that if you basically they're saying if you don't have an ox if things are neat neat clean tidy if you get an ox that's it's not clean right there's a lot of poop there's a lot of mess you will not have things all orderly but there is a strength that brings harvest again like the mess that you're you're dealing with right now with in your church in, with your leaders it's It's not punishment. It's just part of leadership. And God is forming you to to prepare you to be be the answer to the very thing that you're praying for. Unless the Lord builds a house, unless God is building your life, everything you're doing is really in vain. He's building you. He's building you. So this is what I want to jump. I just want to get really practical and jump into four areas that I think— are pitfalls or traps to distract us to uh, get us off this perspective of what real legacy and success is in ministry, and so I'm going to meddle some more. You guys okay with that? You all right? Can you turn to your neighbor and just tell them they look real good today? They need to hear that. Sometimes you just need to hear that. We talked this. We talked about this a little bit, but one of the greatest. Uh, hindrances to to the life of honestly anyone but especially leaders is offense. Our culture thrives on creating offense now. <laughs> it's just norm. to be offended is actually if you're not offended, there's something wrong with you. Just you know, you just go on any social media platform and there's just natural lines drawn of arguments. It doesn't matter who it is. follow any, any influential person, you, they post one thing, and half the people are agreeing, and half the people are arguing, and then they start arguing with each other. You know, it's it's actually, I kind of get a kick out of it. You go on Twitter, it's just it's like, this is really entertaining. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. People, they're just, they just love to disagree about everything. I mean, there's whole groups on Facebook just around our disagreement. So we've built this culture where offense is actually celebrated. Oh, you're offended. That's so. Oh, good for you. What does stand for something? Just, I wish I could be more offended. I wish I could be offended like that. And look at just look at her. She look what she does with that offense. Just stirs up so much drama and division and hate. Way to go. She is, she is doing something with her life. Uh, it's what we it's what we're doing. Politically, you know, what, just across the spectrum, we just we celebrate. We don't even half the time we don't even know what we're offended about anymore we're just like you know find something that makes you mad and just build a movement around it you know and, and, and it's funny but it's so true and really here's the thing offense breeds more offense we have to we, we have to be aware of this because and and no one's immune to it <laughs> I just I just I had the opportunity to be offended on Tuesday it's a real blessing just very thankful about it I've learned this the hard way because if offense breeds more offense, if I don't pay attention to the areas that um, that offense is starting to try to make its way in, like it's going to be a snowball effect real quick. I've gotten vigilant and it's, it's, it's not easy to be unoffended. We're going to talk about that just briefly, but I'm sharing this with you is like you want to pay attention to the areas that you're currently even offended or dealing with offense at your doorstep. Because these are the things I, I, we could talk about a lot of different things in ministry, and and there's so much value. I just felt as I was asking the Lord, "Hey God, what do you want me to bring today to these leaders?" Like I said, just so honored to be here with you. But I I, I still I sit in gatherings like this. I've I, I remember years ago, just when I was a new youth pastor, being in an event just like this. And I just I look at this my own journey, and there's so many things like, man, I wish I would have remembered and learned this because if, if we take care of our inner world, if we take care of our own life and then engage into the things that God's called us to, there's even greater fruit. But some of us, were dying on the inside and and, and we don't have to live in this place. If we have a perspective of here's what success and legacy is and, and we know the entrapments that are coming against you to try to derail the destiny of the calling that you're, you're called to release as a leader. It's a cycle that happens, Offense. We, we have to be aware of the, that door that's, that, that's trying to be opened into our life and say, I'm not going to let that take me out. Because when we live a, a, unoffended, it takes us further from the things we say we want and the things that we're going after. We, we can't make someone else unoffended, but we can control ourselves. We can't control the offense that someone else will walk in. We can, we can choose to be unoffended. Have I mean, you guys just seen the movie Rudy? I love that movie. Rudy, Rudy. Like this is, he's a great example of someone that chose, had a perspective that chose to be unoffended. You know, he's sharing his dream. I'm gonna play for Notre Dame football. I know this we're Michigan fans here, so just it's an al- analogy, right? Just take it easy. Jeez. Um, he's like, you know, I want to play for Notre Dame football. If you think about it, I mean, it's just a a sports movie, but everyone around him, they didn't just say, hey, that's a dumb dream. They ridiculed him. They mocked him. They said, what are you, you know, you're crazy. But he had this thing where he chose to be unoffended. He just said, you know what, how did he do that? I'm not going to focus on what's coming at me. I'm going to focus on where I'm going and what I'm called to go after. And and the best part of the movie at the end, everyone's shouting "Rudy, Rudy!" Every person that that doubted him and his own family—they're the ones cheering the loudest. And he didn't have to. It wasn't a choice of "Okay, you're against me. See, ya, you're out of my life." He's like, "No, I'm I'm going after this." And he began. He he actually not only changed his own life, he changed the people around him. So when we when we we recognize that offense is actually just a trap and it's a distraction. To get you derailed from what you're called to walk in. So we don't, have, we don't have to entertain it and let that voice be the predominant influence in our life and that and what we're going through. I I don't have time to go through all this, but but think about this: Jesus. I, I, the scene where he's on the cross dying for us. If anyone had any justice and 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 right cause to be offended, it was Jesus. I'll just read a couple of these passages. Just just alone. Let's just take when he's he's being crucified for you and for me. I'm gonna. I, I kind of consolidate several gospels, um, and I kind of cut and pasted. But I just want to paint this picture. I mean, you know this, but I want to read this again. I want to paint this picture of what Jesus endured on the cross for you, and and yet chose and stayed in a place of being devoted to what he was called to and unoffended. It says this in Matthew 27. I'm going to skip all over. It says, The governor's soldiers took Jesus into praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers. They stripped him. They put a scarlet robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns on his head, and they put a staff in his hand. They knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews." They, they knelt in front of him and mocked him, and they spit on him. They took the staff and struck him on the head again and again, and they mocked him. They took off the road and put his clothes on him. They led him away, and they crucified him. Two rebels were crucified with him on his right side and one on the left, and, they passed, and those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads, saying, "'You who are going to destroy the temple and build in three days, save yourself. "'Come down from the cross.'" If you're the son of God, in the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the laws and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but can he save himself? He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and then we'll believe him. He trusts him, God. Let God rescue him now if he, if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. And it says about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice my god my god why have you forsaken me it says later in luke 23 34 he said father forgive them they don't know what they're doing i'm i'm not going to keep going but think about this i mean this is just one this is why we're here what jesus did but he was he actually had he was actually uh, insulted <laughs> some of us are offended at what how someone looked at us or what they said or didn't say right they didn't like our photo, or they didn't come to our event. Jesus was was mocked, ridiculed, beaten, unjustly accused, murdered for something that he didn't do. And what was his response? Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Jesus modeled this thing that you know, all of these things: slandered, lied to, robbed, beaten. All these. He was he was abandoned by God and not offended by at God. Like God actually abandoned him. Some of us feel abandoned and we're not. God actually did abandon Jesus in that moment. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Often, I think the greatest pitfall of the fence is we forget who we are and we get consumed with someone else. We take on an identity of being a victim And we feel like we're powerless and everything's happening to us. And it's the story that's being painted that actually is the furthest thing from the truth. We have the choice to be unoffended. It doesn't feel good. It's not easy, but we still have the choice. And the fruit of choosing to be offended is easy in the beginning, but the the fruit of it and uh, the pain is far greater than the hardship of choosing to be unoffended in the beginning. We don't have to dismiss or ignore hurt or condone things that are done to us that are unjust. We just don't choose to let it lead us. Uh, Chris Valentin said this. He said, you know, so so often we're just led by our feelings. Oh, I feel this and I feel like this person thinks this. And, you know, the feelings are real. They're a gift. They They're horrible leaders. Don't let your feelings lead you. Like, don't ignore it and stuff it down, but we should be led by the Spirit. Chris said this: If a person lied to me as much as my feelings did, I would never trust them. I'm gonna stop, but I just I, I'm I'm. If you came here discouraged, I guarantee you. Maybe there's some offense in there somewhere. Some of you may be offended at God, like God. Hey, I've I've been faithful. I I've, I've served you. I said yes to you, and then. You put me here. This person over here got promoted. What about me? I feel stuck or this isn't happening and whatever it is. Like God has you in a process and he's forming you. Your journey is not supposed to look like someone else's journey. We're not clones. You're not supposed to do what someone else is doing. And so we have to be in this place of, okay, God, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense, but God, I trust you. i to be devoted to what you've said. Over my life, and I'm gonna to choose to be unoffended. I'm, I'm gonna spend the most time on that piece. I'm gonna hit three other things really quick. So the first is a pitfall to, to recognizing what true legacy and success as ministry is offense. Is the second is this, and I won't talk long about this. John already hit it a little bit, is this thing of comparison? Do not fall this tra- it, It's so easy to say we know it but comparison is just a trap and a lie to distract you from the unique calling you're called to walk in. I'm not gonna dive really deep into comparison because we we get it, we understand it. I just wanna tell you, it's not just don't do it because sometimes it's like, hey, don't do it. Okay, yeah, I know what to do, but why? Or what does that look like? I, I've shared this a, a few times, but God began to, honestly, for me, comparison is something I've struggled with a lot. To this day, I have to be very aware of, okay, I just, uh, I think it was in November. I, could, I know my own spirit or where I'm at when I just need to shift up some things. And so I went off social media for like two or three months. I love social media. I think it's great. There's nothing wrong with it. It just, for me, cultivates something that I'm like, ah, I don't want that to be the predominant voice. And it has nothing. It's me. It's my own. It's my issue, not someone else's. There's nothing wrong. And honestly, there's, social media is just a platform. Before social media existed, I mean, <laughs> I saw this picture. I mean, there were people that, you know, were, were glued to newspapers and not talking to each other. You know, like, now it's our phones. Like, a lot of the stuff we're seeing is not a, it's not, the issue is not technology. It's a human nature issue. It's not anything new. It's just expressed in a new way. So let's not make the wrong thing the the enemy when we have to look a little bit deeper and say, like, even for our students, so often we tell We tell all of our, you know, our kids, you know, don't sleep around, don't do drugs, don't get drunk. You know, we tell them don't, don't, don't. It's all really good. But then they go to college, and they don't know why not to do it. And no one's there telling them don't, don't, don't. So we have to go deeper and say, hey, let's talk about this. But it's not just don't. Yeah, that's part of the story, but there's a bigger picture. There's the why. And here's, I want to teach you, and I want to walk with you through this. But in comparison, God just began to kind of give me this grid. This helped me a lot is, okay, I can do two things. I can compare with other people or I can cultivate something. I can actually cultivate something in me. I can't do both. What am I going to choose? For me, it helped. Like, okay, I'm not going to compare. Instead, I'm going to cultivate the promise, the gift, the things that God's given me to do. The second is it's kind of this cycle. I can, comparison leads to copying, right? So like, oh, that worked for them. I'm going to try that. Seems harmless, innocent, it's great. But if we're not careful, we're all doing the same thing, and then we're not changing culture. <laughs> the comparison is just a trap to get you distracted so you don't do what God has actually created you to do. Because if, if, if the enemy can get everyone comparing each other with each other and then moving to copying each other, then you're not going to walk in the unique gifting that God's called you to to actually see change happen. Because you can either copy what everyone else is doing or you can actually create something. And 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 history is a great example where people just get stuck doing the same thing. And then someone comes along and doesn't compare, cultivates something new and creates something. Everyone's like, wow, that's amazing. Let's all copy that. And, you know, in some cases, that's good. But there's this, this pattern of you can compare, you can copy, and then it ultimately leads to competing. Because you're going to say, hey, well... I'm going to copy better than you, so I'm you know I'm comparing myself to you and I'm in competition with you because we're all doing the same thing. So pretty soon I got to take a better picture. I got to be you know I got to do my youth. uh, I got to be more extreme in what I'm doing because I want to do it better than you. And it's totally a distraction. What we need to do is we need to cultivate something, create something, so that we have something to contribute and give away. And I hope, I pray, it looks different than the person next to you. I mean, good lord! Why do we all have to look the same? Why do we all have to do the same things? This room is filled with incredible leaders in this district that, like, you can pull from the strength of each other, but you don't have to copy everyone, everything everyone's doing. And you know, one person may be an incredible speaker. That's not the only measure of success as a leader. There's so, and, and if, if that's our grid of success, then man, we're not going to change our culture. Some of the most influential people we don't even know their names. They're behind you know, technology, screens, behind the scenes, creating things that actually bring greater impact than the person talking. We all need each other with all different parts, but you need to do what God's given you to do and stop wasting your time and energy trying to be like someone that you're never gonna be. And you're probably gonna not do as great of a job as they are at that because you're not them. Do a better job of what you're called to cultivate and create. Does that make sense? So I just feel like here, we know this whole thing of comparison, but it's not just don't compare. It's actually cultivate something, create it so you have something to give away. Each person in this room, you have a unique contribution in your church, in your city, in this district. That like, it, it, it's, the, the potential is, is, is dynamite and what God can bring. And when a people of God start celebrating, this is the other thing. If you can celebrate someone else, man, it creates an environment and a culture where people begin to thrive. Because all of a sudden, like, God may give you something that's great. And then if we're comparing and competing, then you don't even want to share it because you're going to, like, I don't want to make someone else jealous. And then I don't want to start competing. Man, just let's just celebrate each other like crazy. Man, I'm so thankful. Like, like, just be people's biggest fans. It actually creates a culture of courage. People want to be around each other. And actually, that's where innovation and, and things begin to, to build and grow in a culture of celebration. All right. So the offense, don't walk in offense too. Comparison is a killer. Here's the third one and th- and this they're all kind of connected, but this whole thing of isolation. We know we're not supposed to do our our life Christian journey alone. We we need each other. We know that. We we again, we talk about community being one of the biggest buzzwords in the church. But there's actually a depth to it that there is a cost to either genuinely walk in a community or walking in isolation. And it's actually way easier to walk in isolation. In this room and iso- uh, not like there's people in this room, you people know your name, you're outgoing, you're you know connected, but you're probably more isolated than, than you really realize. Isolation really is connected to the fact that you're not known. And as leaders, honestly, this is one of the biggest challenges, because there's this pedestal that we put ourselves on, and other people put us on, and it's just not sustainable. It doesn't. It's not realistic. It's not real. And and if we if we're alone and we're doing this alone, we're not known. There's not a cost where people know our story. We're not diving in, going deeper, then it's so much easier for us to get off on the side. And it's not even just like, oh, you're going to fall morally or, you know, it's not even that. Honestly, yeah, that happens. The greater tragedy is that we are, we're doing this journey on our own. We're not known. And some of the things that we're facing, maybe you're facing today, discouragement, depression, feeling stuck— you know, it, it's not like, hey, I'm discouraged, pray for me. Like, you've got to be, who are you walking with? Who are you running with? That's why I love the heart of Pastor Matt. I, I know even before the, uh, what with, with, with this district has been going after and creating community that's championing each other, cheering each other on, that we're known. The significance, honestly, the most significant part about today probably is not going to be the message or anything like that. God will use all of it. It's going to be the connections you make at lunch as you're talking building people that are like hey you're in my corner can i i can text you i can call you you'll pray with me i can i can walk with you maybe some of the, some of your leaders you're here together it's like saying hey we're going to break past this kind of facade and, and get real and walk together and run together isolation like there the reason why it's so predominant is just easy it's just easier to say hey yeah things are fine or i can do this on my own and honestly it's connected to performance Isolation is connected to performance. It's connected to fear or pleasing man. Because if, if, if we, we have this grid that it's failure to be weak. Well, here's the, here's the bummer. We all have weakness. So then we're all failing. But what, is, what, did, what did Jesus say to Paul? That my grace is sufficient. My power is actually made perfect in weakness. Weakness is not Failure it becomes failure when it moves you to a place of isolation and you get picked off and, and and diminished in the fullness of what God's called you to walk in. It actually takes more courage to walk in vulnerability. It takes more courage to walk in being honest and 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 real, even with your weaknesses and your struggles, than it does to look like you have it all together and just stand here. But here's the thing, too, is, This isn't, I mean, if it was just about you and me, this would be enough. We don't, we shouldn't be isolated. But there's a whole generation that they're watching us. And if we can't model to them, we have no authority to tell a student to, you know, be accountable, let someone in your life, you know, maybe you're struggling with pornography or whatever, you know, whatever the list of things that are going on. We have no authority to help them walk out of that if we in our own life are are isolated and aren't known by someone. We're not known by our own community. We we know this, and I'm not trying to. I, I just I just feel like man, we we have there's this unseen area in our life that we've got to just be vigilant and going after, saying I'm going to be known. I'm going to walk together in community. I'm going to be known and go after this. And 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 I'll just say this, as we as we kind of start to wrap up a bit. The the isolation. It's like again, don't we say don't compare, don't be isolated. Really, the key. To breaking out of isolation is humility and feedback. And it's this thing, I, I remember, um, I think it was September, there was just September, October, I was just going through the season. I was so, I was just discouraged. I was feeling anxious, feeling the stuff come on me. And I've learned, like for me, some of those struggles that I'll face lead me, can lead me down to this place of isolation. And so I've learned there's some people banning. He, he's, a, he's a leader in my life, but he's also a friend. I just call him up. And, like, this is scary because he's my boss, right? So if I, you know, there's this here's this reality is, like, we're afraid. Like, if I'm too honest with someone, maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's someone like, what are they going to think of me? And this person can fire me, right? Like, it's, 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 it's real, but it's honestly this lie that's breaking where strength comes from. And so I just I've learned to call him like, hey, this is what's going on. Will you pray with me? And like instantly, I felt a surge of strength, perspective, anxiety lift off me. And I've been trying for like a week or so. Like I do all the things that I do. I'm praying. I'm you know, like there's certain things that we can't we we we're not going to get the full breakthrough on our own. And it's it it's intentionally designed that way because God created us to need other people. But one of the things that I've also done is I've learned. I, I love feedback. I, I ask, I, I lead a lot of people on our team. We have over 75 people on staff. And so I, I ask them all the time, like, hey, do you have any feedback for me? Is there anything I could do better? I'm the, I'm the boss. And sometimes as a leader, we can put ourselves in a place where we give a lot of feedback, but we don't receive it. Like one of the ways that we get isolated is we, we put ourselves in this place of, I can't fail, I gotta, you know, we're, we have all this responsibility. But when you walk in humility and you ask people, hey, will you give me feedback? Or you ask for help and invite people into your life in the midst of your weakness. It shifts the culture and it brings a strength that is far greater than any of the gifts or abilities that you could do on your own. But it's actually really scary. But here's this thing. You guys know this passage, James 4. It says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, he will come near to you. Uh Strengthen your hand, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts tomorrow, grieve, mourn and wail, change your laughter in the morning, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humility is actually the, the, the doorway to strength. It says, when you humble yourself, he will lift you up. So often when we isolate ourselves, we make things way harder on ourselves than we need to. And we create a reality that we don't have to walk in because if you don't you know if you, if you're doing this on your own you're you're going to you're going to carry the weight of it but when you when you humble yourself before others before God he he lifts you up strength comes in surrender strength comes in being known freedom comes with repent with repentance and the grace of God comes you know the enabling power of God comes and we let go of control and we intentionally go after the strength in the life that is found outside of even ourselves—not yes, with God, but with the people around us—I would challenge you this. Some of you drove, you know, s- several hours together with your team. Like there, there is a cost. It is really scary to be real. It's way easier to be surface. How are you doing? It's great. And we, like in the church, we have our, we have our, you know, token. How are you doing? Oh, it's you know, it's it's tough right now. Like just a little stress. You know, we. We we know how to be real yet not be real, you know. Like I guarantee you, the second you 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 have to fight for this, but you break into and create a culture of we're gonna walk in, in, in humility, we're gonna walk in feedback, we're gonna we're not gonna look at titles, we're gonna look at what are, what's the culture we're building. I'm gonna be known, and I'm not gonna be isolated. We're not gonna be isolated as a team. We're not gonna be isolated individually. We're gonna walk and say in humility and and. And feedback giving—it's where strength comes from. But it, it takes an intentional choice to say, "I'm gonna be known. I'm gonna, I'm gonna welcome that input and welcome the strength of other people into my life." For for some of you, like the the door, the obstacle, even in your your ministry right now has nothing to do with the ideas and the strategies that are going on. it has something it has more to do with the culture and the environment within your team and in most cases in you as a leader our internal insecurities and we all have them the the internal world this is the stuff we're talking about right now this this reality is so much a part of how we lead and so we have to be healthy as leaders we have to be relentless about like encountering the freedom that we need so that we can, you know, thrive. And we're going to talk about this later. I'll I'll share this last point when we have breakout um, sessions after lunch. But like a lot of times we're just, we're not personally healthy, physically, spiritually, emotionally in our relationships. And that's not a condemnation thing. It's not like not trying to get down on anyone. But when we get healthy, when our teams get healthy, when we invest in this stuff, there is a strength that, the the fruit of that is exponential and and it's powerful. And so this whole thing of like hey don't do this alone. There are people that that are in your life that you can say hey we uh, you know w- will you pray with me? will you walk with me through this? And it's not failure. It's actually you you're actually walking in the probably the greatest strategic thing you can do as a leader. All right? You guys with me? You guys still alive? I'm not trying to be um Mr. heavy here today, but just felt like I was supposed to go after this. So there, here's here's um, here's the last thing. So we just, uh, just kind of obstacles. The first is um, offense. The second comparison. And the third just isolation. The last is what I just was talking about is our personal health. We're actually going to spend this afternoon and just go after some of this and um, and actually spend time together talking and just being real. So. Some of you are like, I don't I want to be isolated. It's gonna be really hard for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're uh, we're gonna work really hard to make sure you're not, and you're gonna have to try really hard. So if you can do it, wow, good job. But I, I just love, I love the heart of, of of Matt and this team. Like, hey, we're we're gonna build something that is deep, that lasts, so that you can thrive and what God wants to do in this state can thrive. And I'm telling you this is this is so strategic. This is so key. But um, I'll just share a little bit of this, and I'll share a few few um, more practical stuff later today when we we we'll do a little panel and some things. But man, I just know firsthand, we were two years into planting uh, Jesus culture. And here's the funny thing, sometimes, what we dream about is success. Like, oh, if we could get this many people, or if this would happen, and then it happens, and you're like, I'm dying. I'm drowning in my dreams, you know? I was about two years into, we've been doing the church four and a half years, and about two years in, I just started burning out. And it was all with good stuff. So many great things going on. But just to be completely honest, I was tired. My own, just my own intimacy and time with Jesus, was just it just wasn't happening at the level that I, I want I need and I want it to and th- the rhythm of meetings and responsibility was just more than I knew what to do and on the outward it's like wow things are going great but inside I was dying to the point where, like I can't keep up at this pace and I had to get really honest there were my, my wife mentors people in my life say hey I need to change my my routine. <laughs> Sometimes we just do the same thing and it's and we spiritualize it like I'm just being faithful, obedient, I'm just being disciplined and it's actually killing us. <laughs> and and we just have to I had to step back and say, you know, I mean, something as simple as, you know, working out or exercising. It's like one of the first things to go cuz that's not spiritual and uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just do all this stuff All that. I I actually disagree. Like if your body isn't healthy, you'll you'll do great for a while, you're not going to last long term. And and there were just things that for me I just had to shift to say okay. I got to take care of myself so that I can be a good leader to continue to thrive and take care of other people. Some of you here today and and it, it's and sometimes we play this martyr role like like I'm just laying my life down for Jesus which we need to do, but you're not you're not doing anybody any good if you're a mess. <laughs> like sorry to say it like we love you but like if you're dying like hey. Tell people and then figure out what you're gonna do differently to, to make sure like and some of it is not hard, like it's just basic stuff. Like get some sleep, why don't you, you know? No one likes hanging out with you when you're all grumpy. We'll give you coffee, but that only does so much, right? It's just basic stuff, but like hey, like we you have a response, it's not someone else's job to take care of you. Like you had your mom when you were in high school, but like now it's your job to take care of yourself, right? And that I'm not trying to be mean, but like, as leaders, if we're gonna lead other people, we have to lead by example. Like, we gotta take care of ourselves. We gotta take care of our life. We gotta thrive and grow in this, and we and know that we need to be healthy. And it and it's spiritually absolutely, but it's also emotionally. It's in our relationships. It's what it's it's in all these different areas that we want to be healthy people. All right. Okay, you guys doing all right? I want to pray, and then we're gonna transition. Um, but I just. I don't know if this helped. I hope it did. It's what I felt like the Lord told me to share today. But I just I pray that you get a renewed perspective to um, what success really is for you in ministry and, and the legacy that you're building. Hey,
1: thanks for listening again to the Vertical Leadership Podcast. We truly believe if the leader is empowered, the entire organization will grow. So take some time now. Like, subscribe. If you're not already subscribed to this podcast, go ahead and like it, subscribe, and uh, follow us on social media at Vertical Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good day.
0: Thanks again for taking time to grow as leaders. We are looking forward as we continue to build our culture in student ministries.